Hello and welcome to Metrospective, the mega podcast where we cover everything from uh, Astro Boy to Mazinger Z. I'm I'm Tooch. Uh, I'm Devin. Mm, today we're we're talking about an action-packed, excitement-filled, thrilling adventure where you'll be on the edge of your seat, starring Harrison Ford and others, other people who are not Harrison Ford. Blade Runner. There's very little running. What even, ru- what, even fewer blades. Anytime I saw someone running, I basically just shot them. Tried to, tried to, tried to trim down the running. Not a lot of blades either. I'm, in fact, no, there wasn't a single serrated edge used as a weapon. There was a nail. No, it doesn't. It's not a blade. Okay. You can't. Okay, Mr. Ford. I'm sorry. No one's gonna mug me with a, with a roofing nail. I mean, they wouldn't anyway. I'm Harrison Goddamn Ford, last person that mugged me. Well, they wanted my autograph afterwards, but I I was gonna show them what for if they didn't ask for that selfie. Hmm. I'm going home. <laughs> that was the best bit we've ever uh, done. Oh, hey, what's up? I just had to go to the bathroom for a second. Was that Harrison Ford? Yeah, I think so. Cross- I think so. Yeah, he, he, what? He, what? He, by me? He, like, he looked did like he, he, he cut his hair like really short again. And... Did he? He looked a lot younger. Yeah. I found I found this I found this origami thing on the next to the bathroom. It was it was just a little hand. Three of his fingers were broken and like he he was really wet. I it think was, he like it, took a shower. I found this origami coat. of a hand. It was this little hand giving the finger. <laughs> uh I'm keeping it. Uh <laughs> I'm sorry. It's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> yes. That's about as that's about as far as I go. Um <laughs> So yeah, we're doing Blade Runner, <laughs> the first live action movie. God, oh, we recover, <laughs> shake it out. And before anybody, I'll put it in the title. We're doing the we're doing the final cut. Yes, the, the final, final director's director's cut. cut by Ridley Scott, where he tinted things blue a little more and added um, a unicorn. Added a unicorn. Took out bad narration. T- took out Harrison Ford narrating like this. Uh, so I mean, you were doing some research. We were watching it. What what can you tell us about? Uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, this film is based on, um, by, by Philip K. Dick. It follows basically the same plot, but like once again, just like most Philip K. Dick stories and adaptations, Ridley Scott took many liberties. Of course. And uh, the the um, from the synopsis I have read of Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which I, which I looked at while we were watching the movie, because I was doing research, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you missed so much. Brilliant. All the dialogue you missed out on. <laughs> but it's uh so apparently they explain more about the world where it's like post nuclear it's like post excuse me post nuclear earth mm-hmm. and uh so the reason why it's constantly gray is because like just all the dust and ash in the atmosphere right and um so that's why there's so many off world colonies was that like you know the earth is just fucked the, the earth is just beyond repair and, and so that would explain because it's like this this world is very much rooted in genetic just breeding of life, uh, either through humans, replicants, or animals, and that's that's the first thing that got me about this world. This this movie, this movie shows you a world, but it tells you very little. And in, in some ways, that's good. In some ways, I like that when it when it just drops you into a setting and you have to extrapolate everything. And it that's feels, what, like like blame, like blame or dark like blame or. Dude, Star Wars. Yeah, Star, Star Wars, Wars. Until you sh- oh, it's a, a long time ago. And I got you far, far away. Everything else, you it's brand new. And you just have to deal with it. 
You just have to deal with all these weird things. I guess, like, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, because, like, I'm so ingrained in Star Wars lore in my head. And also, like, I first saw Star Wars at such a young age that I don't think I would have any trouble, like, just, like, I don't think I had any trouble. I just saw things and I accepted it, because that's what you do when you're a child. But it's like, nobody really, sci-fi, I mean, I guess we're going on a Star Wars tangent, oh, big surprise. Like, sci-fi stuff is always interesting like that, because especially once it gets big and famous, everybody takes it for granted, but then you imagine everybody going into the theater, never seen anything like that before. Yeah. Never before. And that's that's what Blade Runner does here. Like, a lot of people, Blade Runner's hard to appreciate now. Retroactively. Just because it's so influential, everybody that watches it is just, oh yeah, like I, I notice, I know all of these things, all of these tropes, all these visual, this visual style, this story, this presentation of cyberpunk, and it's like, homie. This is the first. That word didn't exist before. In 1982. Yeah, like no. That, that world, that word didn't exist in 1982, and so apparently the, um, it's, it's, it's debated what the first cyberpunk thing is. Apparently people say it's Neuromancer. It's a trilogy of novels. Mm-hmm. But apparently those came out slightly after the movie, but apparently he already had the idea for them, but he was also influenced by Blade Runner seeing it. Right. So even though he said he was working on it like before Blade Runner was even a thing. Yeah, no telling what it would have looked like if that hadn't also yeah. helped him. I don't know nothing about Neuromancer. Yeah. I was just, that was just in the related in Wikipedia. Um, And so... And watching this again, older, wiser... Less of a less of a high school, just everything. Just I, I'm a different person now. That person's dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Honestly, honestly, yeah. Um, they saw so much. They saw so much. Lost they, the time. They saw just like tears in the rain. I didn't see anything in high school. That's fine. Nothing's lost. Um, <laughs> and and the, the it's not like it's wholly from cut from new cloth cuz like 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 we we had that epiphany while we were watching it it's it's very much science fiction film noir yeah it's 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 like as you said it's it's very it's like Maltese falcon all those old it's an 80s aesthetic through the lens of the 40s in the future yeah there's a lot of neon but that's really it in terms of eight there's a lot of neon and then the the fashion is the fashion's very eighties, but trying to be like Victorian forties. Reference, reference the forties, just like a with, lot with, of with like with her hair and the hair and the suit and just everybody trench coats and everybody's always smoking. I don't even think in the actual eighties people were smoking that much. But yeah, it's like, it's it went for the noir aesthetic. It was it's like retro futurism. Yeah, and smoking, thought, drinking, guns, jack like j- jackets. They're all in the rain. It's raining constantly. It's it, the my city. Yeah, I'm sure. I I want to go back and listen to that awful narration and see if he calls it my city. <laughs> like I apparently a lot of them are just like a lot of it is not like nonsense. It just it's over over expository, right? And poorly delivered because um test test audiences didn't like the initial cut of the film. It was hard to follow. And granted, it is for a common movie going public who maybe just wants to you know have some popcorn and watch a. Watch a robot explode. Watch, watch a kooky space adventure starring Harrison Ford, because at that point, you know... He was known for New Hope. This yeah. Is, this is pre-Raiders, though. Ah. Uh, and, um... So, you know, people expect normal sci-fi, or even Star Wars sci-fi, which I guess had become the new normal. Uh, and they got... They got, like, freaking I don't know, Casablanca with androids. <laughs> well, it's... I feel like... And more I- murder. 
I I am murder. <laughs> I felt the same way about this movie that I did about Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I watched Ghost in the Shell, I was very very underwhelmed. Uh, when I because once again I watched it as like you know a late middle schooler, and the movie kind of I think flew over my head. Like I thought like there were some really cool parts of that, but there was like no action, and I was used to standalone complex, which was way more story focused, way more yeah. plot focused, way more tech focused, action focused. Whereas oh man, imagine a fucking like a Blade Runner police procedural. Dude, I, I think that's what the game is. Ah. Like, there is a lot of cool Blade Runner spinoff, Blade Runner spinoff shit that I want to try to dip into, because I yeah. do like this movie. And I like this movie, I like this world. Yeah. It's, I, so, l- let me, let me finish, though. It's, uh, what I said was, um, so I watched Ghost in the Shell, my grandfather showed me this movie a while ago, and I remember watching it as, like, 14, 15, and being kind of like, oh, that was good. Like, kind of like, I felt like I didn't kind of get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt once again that was kind of, like, slow, and a lot of just kind of, not really, don't want to use the word boring, that's probably what I was feeling. Yeah. And so, but now that I look back at it, this movie wasn't trying to do conventional, it wasn't trying to conventionally tell a plot. It was yeah. trying, to, it wasn't trying to give you all the details. It was trying to be, it's, the movie was more focused on its themes and its content than right. its script and its dialogue. If that makes any goddamn sense. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like the it, it was just a matter of like the ratio being just a little off cuz like uh, there are films that are more experienced than story that that movie going audiences can get into and I feel like I feel like this film was trying to do a little bit of both cuz there there was a story and it was anchored to that and I feel like I'm still trying to parse it really cuz I feel like there wasn't I don't want to say there wasn't enough atmosphere there was a lot of atmosphere yeah, but that was like, the best part of the movie I feel like maybe there wasn't a focus on the atmosphere. Like, I don't know. Like, th- I'm trying to think of examples of, like, things where there is a story and you and you can basically follow it, but you're not really following it for the story. Like, like Fully Cooly. Yeah, Fully Cooly. Fully Cooly, there's... Fully Cooly, the foreground is the subtext. And I feel like that's what they wanted to do here. And plenty of people love it, so I'm sure... Like, they succeeded. But for me personally, um, I don't know. I, I still don't really know what my hang-up about it is. Like, I... I, I do overall enjoy it for what it is. Uh, like, it's a strange movie. I'm gonna say that. It's a it's a bizarre movie, and I I, I just think it too, it's like, like I, when i like, saying, ugh, cut that, make me sound better. <laughs> Always. But, um, what I was saying to Tooch during the, um, during the viewing was just like we were so blown away by the cinematography. Just like the movie is shot beautifully. It's just every every frame really matters, and I'm, like, I'm sure with the director's cut when he took a second pass at everything. You know, he got to yeah. really, really get in there and make sure that every shot counted. Uh, so one more, one more reason to one more reason to go with the director's cut. Director's cuts are always a toss up because back back when I first heard the concept of a director's cut, I would always just immediately assume it's like, oh, well, you know, that's that's the director's cut. That's the movie they wanted to make. So it's like, you know, that's probably the best one, right? Mm, no, sometimes I'm, no. I'm sorry, little tooch. Autorism is mostly a lie. Uh, <laughs> and not even one of the best people at it succeeds. Yeah. Like, you know Kojima doesn't succeed all the time. No, you can't, you can't, you can't always... Well, we haven't talked about the plot of this movie at all, and so I'm, we're gonna give a, I'll give a brief synopsis from my understanding of the movie. So it takes place in 2019. Look and, out, it's coming. In three years, in Los Angeles, uh, which is a really cool looking city. It's like... Was that LA? It was supposed to be LA. It could have been anywhere, really. It was supposed to be LA. The, the novel takes place in San Francisco. Mm. And, uh, but it's a very oppressive atmosphere. There's, like, the, it has kind of the, uh, the Great Gatsby thing going on with eyes everywhere. It's, like, that was the running theme of all the, all the ads were looking at you. 
it was always eyes are looking at you and light intrusive lights coming in everywhere. It was mostly that same Japanese woman. Yeah. <laughs> it was, well, yeah. It was, and it was kind of like a very heavy like Asian influence, mostly Japanese. I did like that. And uh, even though there was one point where like a guy was speaking Chinese, even though he was serving Japanese food, oh, and I no, was like, that just America. That's probably just America. That's the the. It was the eighties. Everything was Asian. Yeah, everything, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like because you were like translating some stuff, and I was like, I'm amazed they bothered to actually put yeah, real like a, phrases on there. There because... was a, like I saw like in katakana, like I'm I'm taking Japanese classes as everybody knows, and uh, anytime I see anything written like hiragana or katakana, I try to read it just because you know I'm trying to maintain literacy. I'm trying to learn another language. The way you learn another language is by reading shit in that other language. Yeah. So. I, I, so anytime I'm, like, in a movie or I see, like, katakana in an anime, I try to read it. I try to read hiragana. I try to recognize kanji. And so I saw that there was just a sign that said kudabu, which is a club. And I'm like, yeah. ah, cool. Because, yeah, I mean, because I'm just, I, I wouldn't put it past Hollywood to just, like, put gibberish up there. Because, like, eh, no one's gonna read it. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, uh, so the the main character is, uh, Richard Deckard, uh, Deckard, Deckard, Deckard. Deckard. And uh, he's played sleepily by Harrison Ford, who <laughs> looks like he just does not want to be there. He, and I mean, but that's, it's always hard, it's, it's hard to gauge performance with this movie. And I think that might be another hangup that I have, is just like, like, everybody, everybody is, the world that they live in, within the narrative, is so oppressive and just depressing, and like, no one's, like, Life doesn't seem to matter. Life doesn't matter because they can just make life. Yeah, like, life has lost its value. Completely. And just so... Just like the US dollar. That's supposed to be, like, a rim shot. I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'll keep this in, and then I'll do it right now. There. There we movie, go. Movie, movie magic. Yay. Um, and so... It work like it works for what it's doing, but again, I'm not sure I enjoy what it's... Because it's like, it's... I don't know. I, I I think I did like this the second time around. Just like everybody's so upset, <laughs> everybody's so bothered, and everybody's just so on the brink of having an anxiety attack. Yeah, it was getting. But like, I'm I I I'm very empathetic when I watch films. So I was like, my chest was heavy this whole movie. I was like, oh god, this is so. I would hate to live here. Yeah, I want to live here. When it comes to, like, gritty cyberpunk futures, this is, like, the bleakest out of all of them. The film opens with this big mech blimp, just like, come, like, go off world, it's a fun, glorious adventure, and it's like, and I'm just looking at that sign going like, I know you're fucking lying, but I would absolutely take that fucking bet, just on the chance that there's something out there just slightly better than whatever fucking hor- There's a guy in a freezer making eyeballs, and his fucking- creepy doll man and just everybody looks like i'm gonna they're gonna mug me <laughs> so descartes is a is a ambiguously retired blade runner which means and blade runners are so in the in this future we have replicants which are essentially humanoid androids with limited lifespans that are um incredibly powerful and made for like ma- dangerous ma- dangerous combat shit like that Basically, expendable humans. Expendable humans made for slave labor, prostitution, war, anything that we don't want to do with real people. Yeah. And they're robotic, and um, they're pretty much in Commercial acting, probably. Yeah, telemarketers. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure every telemarketer is a replicant. Jesus. But, uh, so, due to apparently that replicants are getting smarter and smarter and smarter, they're becoming aware of their own, like, because they only have a four-year lifespan, just, you know... Because before they can grow sentience, they die. 
before they become can become dangerous. Yeah, but apparently they're becoming they're becoming self aware a lot faster. And they're becoming like super self aware a lot faster and uh and are essentially growing emotions, which they're trying to figure out how to deal with, how to like And just be because they're like fully realized capable adults that only have like a handful of like years of just life, then that's gonna create basically rampancy. Yeah. Basically rampancy. And so it, there, so essentially there was, uh, six repl- uh, no, I was gonna say reploids, that's Mega Man. <laughs> Replicants that, uh, pretty much hijack a shuttle from space, killed everybody on board, and, uh, are now on Earth. And Replicants being on Earth is, like, super legal, and their special cops called Blade Runners meant to hunt them down. Yeah. And they have, re- uh, the dopest part about this movie is the fucking gun that Harrison Ford has. Right. Deckard's gun is awesome. So... It's essentially from there it follows that uh, Harrison Ford, Deckard, goes around looking for clues kind of silently, yeah. and while the replicants are going around trying to figure out how to, how to elongate their lifespan, realizing that it's impossible. They, they can't. Yeah. The movie would... The movie would be really interesting from the replicants' perspective, just like this tragedy of these people trying to expand their life, and they come, and they come to the end, and all that's waiting for them is death yeah i think that's the revelation that roy has at the end was that what wolf's reign was about i think so <laughs> once again i might have told this story on the show before i've only seen the last episode of wolf's reign <laughs> once again i'm sorry because it was on tv and i didn't know which episode it was because it's a sad looking show so i'd like Wolf sad Rain things were sad, show, yeah. sad things were happening i was like oh man i can't wait to see how this ends oh i don't have to <laughs> so there's a the side the main side plot involves a character named Rachel who is a uh, a woman who's also a replicant, but she was designed to think she's human. Yeah, they, they because because that that whole that whole issue with the lack of a lifelong experience in order to cope with emotion, they plant false memories in order to anchor them and give them a sense of continuity with their lives, like just to give them more of a groundwork for how to deal with being alive. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a fasc- it's fascinating. And so the, the main thing that everyone wants to discuss in this movie, though, is, is Deckard a replicant? Is he? Because so much of the movie is so ambiguous where it's just like, he, they kind of could just, they could have just been implanted memories, get a replicant to kill the replicants. Just like, hey. I feel like that wasn't, I feel like if that was... Because Ridley Scott's confirmed that Deckard is a replicant. Oh, well, shut up, Ridley. It's not in your text. And so... The original, so the movie ends with, um, essentially all the replicants being killed, and, uh, there's a pretty, I'd say the last part of the movie is probably my favorite, like, the entire last scene with, like, the, in, like, the dilapidated building. Right. Between Roy and Deckard, and Rucker Howard's just giving it his all, he's just going crazy. Yeah, I think that's the bewildered look on Harrison Ford's face, just out of character, like, what, why are you? why are you acting so hard for this? <laughs> Did you, are we reading the same script, reading the same movie? And so, like, like that, like one of the best parts is when he just like grabs his hand and starts breaking the fingers. Like, yeah. that, oh, that was awesome. Ugh. And so, eventually, Roy reaches his expiration date after saving Deckard's life, and then kind of realizes in like the, his last few seconds of life that, like, wow, I'm like everything that I've lived is gonna go away. Like, all my memories are gone. Like tears in the rain. Like, it means nothing. So, the cryptic character that follows around uh, Deckard this entire movie communicating only through like gibberish and origami origami says something like you know because he's fallen in love with this replicant woman 
And he says, like, you know, she's she's nearing her end. And she says, like, she was never really living, but really, who are we ever? Like, so he kind of has this panicked expression on his face, goes home, finds her alive. And, but for how long? Right. And so the, uh, and so it ends ambiguously with, you know, them leaving on an elevator and they could, they could have just both immediately died as soon as the, as soon as the doors closed. And that was, that was, because if, if he's a replicant, he would have died too. He would have reached his expiration. I feel like the whole is Decker Erbican thing wasn't brought up enough in the film for it to be any kind of real plot point, unless I'm missing stuff. Apparently there's two deleted scenes. Okay. And I'm going to try to look for them right now, so I'm going to pause the recording real quick. All right. Alright, so we just watched the deleted scene. It's two minutes and eight seconds long, uploaded by Noriaki Kakyoen, a JoJo fan, probably. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, it's called Blade Runner Deleted Scene. It has the guy from the opening, like the, uh, the guy giving the, uh, the empathy test at the oh. beginning, talking to Deckard. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it seems like he's giving Deckard an empathy test. So, and it's, and he's, and yeah, so. It also confirms that the, uh, conf- that the weird, uh, the weird dude, Gaff, fo- who follows him around is also a Blade Runner. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking of before we watched the scene, because I was like, well, if that guy's following him around, then maybe he's a Blade Runner investigating Deckard. Yeah, so I think that was supposed to be... And, I don't know, yeah, because it, it, it just opens up a whole nother kind of plot thread. That, that, that It opens up one more plot thread for the movie to be vague about, so I can understand wanting to just get rid of it altogether to make, just, just to keep the film yeah. simple. Uh, I, I feel like that does sort of convolute things, because it's like... I don't know. I I think the themes work better if he's not a replicant because it's this it's this man who's like immersed himself in replicants and he has to he spent his career trying to see them as little as human as possible and yet falls in love with and one and falls in love with one uh which I I also did not like that love scene and I feel like I've heard other people take umbrage with it before like she like after that whole thing happens all she ever says is, like, what he tells her to say. And then he... Re- and so it's like... So it's like everything she's telling him is just stuff that he was like, like, say this. So that it's... So that, like, I can think that you mean it, basically. Like, that's all, that's all I could get out of that. And it's like, whoa, I don't know how to parse that. Especially because it's he knows that she's a replicant and so it's like is he like what i don't know i just feel like it was i feel like maybe that's the thing like the the film the film is an experience but then whenever it does want to do plot stuff there's never enough of a story there to take more to to, look at it to like to you know like decipher because like it, because then every time, every time it does have a significant story moment, no matter what, it's going to be open ended because there's not a whole lot to work with in terms of explication. But I really don't want to have to sit through Harrison Ford's narrations because he performs them so badly. 
like, I don't know, for as much as this movie does, I, I don't want to say wrong, but I still think I like this movie. Like, I do too, in terms of just, like, in terms of just creating a world that's, inventing the cyberpunk genre, for one, and also just creating such a world that's just so, I've never, like, it makes the world of blame seem kind of, like, inviting. I feel like blame is the, ne- I feel like blame is, like, the next level, the next level to this. Like, blame would definitely come from this kind of world. Like, bl- like maybe, like, noise, the prequel to blame kind yeah, of was, like, yeah, like, was like I, this I was, kind of world. I was gonna say, all that side material that was more grounded and with more narrative, it it feels more like Blade Runner. Because um, that's what um Blame was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, like, it was supposed to be, like, a cyberpunk cop story, but it kind of just evolved into what we got as Blame. Much better. Uh, because the last chapter of Noise was the pro was the pro was like the prototype for Blame. Yeah, and that's what Blame was supposed to be. It was about like a, like a, essentially a Blade Runner named Killy. So I, I definitely do. This is this is definitely one of those scenarios where you know I have no I have no major umbrage with this film at all. But I definitely like the world itself more than this film. I still don't know how I feel about it. I was really hoping I would I would come to like to... a consensus. Yeah, man. Ah, it makes me nervous for Ava. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least, at least with Ava, I don't feel the same way as you about that, and I already, and I, at least, it's because, like, I've only seen this movie twice. Mm-hmm, same. And I feel that if I've seen this movie more, it's like, because, like, for example, every single time I watched, um, like, maybe I, I guess gotta read up on this movie, because a lot of people love this movie. I feel like there's a lot of historically important films that I feel like people, I'm not gonna say they like for the wrong reasons, there's no such thing. Uh, but I feel like j- there there is a consensus, especially once you start looking at things that a lot of people call "quote unquote" canon when it comes to media. Like, oh, these are the canon novels you have to read; these are the canon movies you have to watch. Like, I, f- I feel I feel like people will forgive people will forgive stuff about one movie that they won't forgive in another movie because they know going into this movie that this movie people say it's good. Oh, this movie's so important. This is fucking Citizen Kane. This is Casablanca. This is fucking 2000 falcon 2001 space odyssey 2001 space odyssey can we do that one you want to do a guide in on 2001 space odyssey i mean i i, I mean how i mean okay, we could i mean i like that movie i like that i like that movie too but i feel like it needs to be discussed by people who aren't just jerking it off and okay. we're those people because like i wasn't sure if you're gonna be like that with a shit movie because no. like, i've only seen it like twice but then again that's a movie like that's not a movie i'm like let's go watch 2001 a space odyssey beautiful film but, like... I probably have a similar opinion of it as I have of Blade Runner. Yeah, probably. Now that I really fucking think of it, I just, like... It's too long. I believe, like, yeah, once again, like, that's a, that's a movie, that's a hard movie to get through. It's too long. It's too... I, I feel like the... Especially because I feel like the, the beginning and ending bits, you know? all The stuff that no one remembers. Like, the, that monkey sequence is too long. Yeah. I get why it's there, and that's a cool shot with the bone. But it's like, you could have made that, like... Five minutes. Um. So I, I do think that at the end of the day, that my umbrage, my, any umbrage I have with that or this film, I, I think it does come down to personal taste. Just what you're looking for in a movie, what you get out of it. Yeah, it's like once again, if because you, you can't say this isn't shot well, you can't say this wasn't performed well. You can say it's performed oddly or performed like it's different. It's not a conventional film. It's. I want to say that like this film kind of gives you false expectations immediately. Yeah. I don't know. Where it's like, I don't... Because, like, 
I'm not sure. It's like, and you made a joke earlier that I thought was really, that was really kind of like on the nose, which is this movie is the polar opposite of Total Recall. Yeah. Because <laughs> Total, Total Recall is Total another good movie. Total Recall is another good movie for not, for completely different reasons. Yeah. I would do a guide in on Total Recall. Oh, yeah, that'd be dope. Like, because uh, I, any excuse to watch and talk about fucking Total Recall. Yeah, man. That's like the, that's, that's one of the few, that's one of the few movies that Arnold Schwarzenegger's in that you can actually enjoy as a film and not just as a Schwarzenegger film. Also Terminator 1 and 2, I feel. Terminator 1 and 2. Uh. Predator. Probably one more than two. Uh, just in terms of like enjoying, cause like Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't at his Schwarzeneggeriest in one. It's very early Schwartz. Uh, but definitely Predator 1, yeah. Predator, Predator, he wasn't in the sequel, so. Yeah. Predator. And uh, like um, I really like Terminator 2. Mm, I do too. It's a testament to how much I still like that movie as when like any time any part of it is on cable, I just finish the movie. Yeah. It's there's only like two movies I do that with. No, there's three. And these movies are on cable a lot. Die Hard, Terminator 2, and Joe Dirt. <laughs> Which are just like Joe Dirt and Tommy Boy are the only movies with David Spade I can stand. Yeah, same. And but like for- oh, What about what about the other movie that everybody always confuses with Tommy? Uh what about Black Sheep? I've never seen Black Sheep. It's the same movie, but with a different plot. <laughs> so you might like that one. I mean, like, I love Tommy Boy. It's literally just David Spade and Chris Farley having shenanigans on the road. So it's just like, it's just, it's okay. Just, uh, Devin, it's the same movie. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, slightly back to Blade Runner. Like, the, this movie definitely, it's interesting to watch. Like, I wouldn't say that, like, this movie is going to blow your mind unless you're, like, if you're a film student, this movie's going to blow your mind. Oh, yeah. In terms of, like, if you, but, like, once again, I've, I've realized this. I have a ton of friends who are actors. And my friends who are actors hate this movie my friends yes my friends who are cinema guys my friends who are film majors love this movie i can see that because from a storytelling and an acting perspective this movie's kind of a failure but from a from like a shot perspective from an atmosphere perspective and from just like making a a, making an interesting piece of visual cinema beautiful beautiful it's a complete success and it's like that that that's another thing i said was like well, I was while we were watching it, I was, I was kind of just like, imagine an alternate universe where Stanley Kubrick directed this one and Ridley Scott directed 2001. Oh, I want to see that. Well, I want to see those movies. I want to, like, necromance Stanley Kubrick. Like, Stanley Kubrick, like, come here. Zombie, zombie Kubrick, Stan, come here. Here's Blade Runner. Let's do this again, but with you directing it. <laughs> I think everyone would probably die. I think everyone would die. Yeah. Uh, spectacularly. There would be more shit like that unicorn. More ambience. More ambient. Everything would be a lot more symmetrical. He, yes, he likes that shit. He, he likes like the super symmetrical shots, yeah. which are like that's that gets my yeah. that gets my cinema boner hard. He would lo- he would probably that building probably wouldn't change, but it would always be shot from like that or like like from front on or like bird's eye or like always like symmetrical. That fucking building. That building's dope. Yeah, apparently it's a real building in L.A. It's terrifying. Called, it's called the um, Bradbury Building. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Ray Bradbury. Has Ray Bradbury written anything about robots? Because I like Ray Bradbury. Well, we I can look into it after this. Uh, but, but um, we're probably that's all for the film Blade Runner. Uh, but we definitely want to like because this is also a franchise. Yeah. There's a, a 1997 FMV game mm-hmm. that's apparently one of the best FMV games ever made. Mm. And uh, so I can see if it's on. I think it's on GOG. Like I can probably get it for like five bucks. Yeah, man, do it. And uh, apparently, I don't know much about it, but apparently, you don't play as Deckard. Apparently, Harrison Ford's not in it, and also, like, it takes place concurrently with the movie. 
that sounds fine. I would hate I would hate to get like a movie tie-in where it's like it shows clips and stuff like that. Those are bad. Yeah, they like, say, I, they we, say we, Pumpkinhead. You know, you know what we should do? Hmm? We should play it and yeah. then suggest that Grimbeard plays it. Yeah, and then see what he has to say about it. Bam, bam, bam. We, by the way, everybody who listens to us right now, go to, uh, search up the Grimbeard Diaries on YouTube and subscribe to him because he deserves those views. He is the he is the most delightful, quirky let's player. Let's he's not a let's he's player. He's a reviewer. He reviews them in a very avant garde kind of way. He's fun, but in a fun way that you can appreciate. <laughs> Unlike everything else, avant garde. <laughs> yeah, like no, it's Wes. I guess you're right. Maybe it's, that's this movie's almost avant garde. I feel like. You know what? Yeah, yeah. You're not. You're not wrong. Just because it, it's because of that disconnect. Because it's like that. I'm. I'm on to something here. <laughs> hey, Tooch, tell everybody how smart you are. Okay. Um, no. Tooch has a fucking degree. Let's God, listen to not, this shit. Not in film. Not in film. In creative writing. So I, that's probably why. Especially why I don't. I don't click with this as much. I mean, I like creative writing. I'm all because about like, creative writing. Like avant-garde stuff, there's always dialogue, but the dial but because the dialogue's not important, it's always very disjointed. It's it's less about what they're saying and more how they're saying it and the tone they're saying it and the context they're saying it in, but the words themselves are almost meaningless and I feel like that film evokes that a lot. Yeah. Like there's certain keywords but but like really, they could be speaking gibberish and this film is just as slightly it would be slightly less comprehensible, but you could watch this film on mute and get what's going on. Yeah, you know? and that's—I feel like that—that's—that's that's filmmaking one one, being able to t- show the story. Well, because like I had this—I actually had this discussion with my therapist today because uh, we got in this really weird. I forgot how we got on this topic, but mm-hmm. I was saying how um my one how she she says if I ever wanted to do a thing if I could because I was telling her how, how like just why I like the concept of a video game sure. like in terms of like the basest reality like not just I not just saying I was oh yeah so I talked to my therapist about Dark Souls for four hours like that's <laughs> not what I'm ta- what I mean. I was just talking about like what why things like that resonate with me and why I why I want to pursue making them as a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And so she would ask me, so like if you could make a game, what would you do? And then my response after like about a minute and a half of silence was just like, I would want to do something you could only do as a game. Which I think is something Hideo Kojima would say. Right. But then I realized that like that's a thing I super don't like is even though Kojima did it in a way that succeeded, he kind of I, I think it's Kojima that did this. Yeah. Was because of Metal Gear Solid 1, everybody attempted to make cinematic mo- cinematic games since then. Where everything needed to be cinematic, everything needed to emulate movies to be taken seriously. Where it's like, our game is like a movie, take us seriously. Where it's instead of being, our game is a game. Something that can only be ingested in this media. And so, like, that's... So that, tying it back to Blade Runner, I feel that this only could have been a movie. Right. And I, I kind of respect it for that. Yeah. Because there's very few films, I feel, that could only be films. Right. Because, like, you know, you're a very, you're, you're, you're more of a book guy. Yeah, I'm a, well, I'm, I'm a book and movie guy. I love right. both. I love, I love pretty much any form of creative fiction. But, like, but, it, but like, I don't know, I, maybe this is me being pessimistic, but I feel like, in, I feel like in this day and age, if you read novels regularly, then you're a book guy. Because everybody else, like, like, it's not uncommon to find somebody who just doesn't read books. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm not, I'm not making a judgment, but that's a fact. I don't care if you don't read books, but it, you're a person that exists in this world, so, you know. I feel like maybe we underestimated this movie, man. And maybe that's a testament to it, you know? Because, like, like we said, it's it's very artsy. It's going for a lot, and it's very dense, and there's other stuff around it. And there's a lot to unpack, and I do think we could... I, 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 
I think it's a good, it's a good discussion, but I do, I wish we had a larger fan base. If, if you're listening to us and you desperately want to tell us about Blade Runner, whether how much you love it or how much you hate it, if you're, I would love to like continue this discussion in an open forum. I would like to discuss, yeah, because like once again, I've only seen this movie twice and I definitely want to see it again. Yeah. This is not the last time I'm going to see this movie. I would watch it again. I would watch different cuts. Yeah, I would watch, I would want to watch a different cut of this. Read the book. Yeah, I would definitely read Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep, or has it now? It's printed now. Blade Runner colon Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep. And With so, Harrison Ford's face on the cover, I'm sure. Now a major motion picture. <laughs> and so, um, I could probably go to Second and Charles and find it like right now. Yeah, I could probably gonna find it at the Book Trader on Second Street. They probably would have it. Like, yes, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's de- it's I don't want to say timeless, but it's a surrealist. It's a surreal movie. It's a it's a it, but. I feel it's important, and I feel everybody should watch this movie, but I don't think everybody will enjoy it. No. This movie is, is like, if you're somebody that, if you think Ghost in the Shell 2, in a sense, is a boring movie, you're not going to enjoy Blade Runner. Right. If you think Ghost in the Shell 1 is boring, you're not going to enjoy Blade Runner. I guess, I don't know, this is definitely one of the slower paced things we've done, one of the more lower key things, and I super like it. I like it. And I think we've come up, I think we have reached a, success, a satisfying, like, we have closure for our opinions of this movie now. I think that's what we wanted most out of this. Yeah. Fuck all, y'all. And so, I'm actually curious to see what the general opinion of, you know, our listener, the the Toon Goons Metrospective fanbase, question mark, with Tilted Upside Down. And so, I'm just curious to see what the general consensus of this movie is. It's like, do you think we're douchebags and shitting on this movie? Like, tell me. I want to see why. But, like, don't just say you're a douchebag and you're wrong. Just tell me why. I want to... I, ho- I, I kind of hope that, like, some rando who just loves the shit out of Blade Runner just finds only this episode and just goes on a fucking tirade. That'd need, be great. We need an enemy. <laughs> we could, we, we would need an enemy. We'd form our, uh, we'd get a third member. We'd get Stefano, and then we'd, um, we'd form our three-man, our internet arguing, arguing machine, Die Guy Well, because, like, we wouldn't be, because it's, like, just just because it's like the, it's such a knee jerk thing because like we 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 both like this movie yeah. but it's like there, there's always those knee jerk reaction people who like anytime they hear the slightest thing said negatively about a thing they like they just gotta go on the fucking attack and it's like homie I'm not even disagreeing with you does that because like that's, that's my, here's the thing that says more about them than it does about exactly you, about that, this that's my favorite kind of discourse because it's the easiest to just leave because it's like. This person's yelling just because they really want to. Like, they need to get it off their chest. They don't even see me as, a like, a person. So, bye. Yeah. It's... Delete. <laughs> but, yeah. It's, um... Like, don't, don't misunderstand. We say 40 minutes in. Like, we both like this movie. And while I do feel that if this movie... Like, that's another thing. If, if Kubrick did this movie, I think there would be a lot more scenes. There would be... <laughs> there would be I feel there would be a lot more exposition in, like, a stranger way. I don't know. I don't know what I mean I by that. The movie would also be like forty minutes longer. Yeah, and the ending scene would have been like way longer. Who did Dune? Dune? That was that's David Lynch. David Lynch. David Lynch did Dune. Dude, what if David Lynch did Blade Runner? You mean like what if what if I had a boner? <laughs> <laughs> I love David Lynch, man. My God. um, I'm I, w- I wish Dune doesn't Dune doesn't have any robots or anything. Dang, we could do a Gaiden. I'd do Dune. I'd, 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 I'd see I'd see Kyle MacLachlan looking young and attractive, riding <laughs> worms. There's like very few like male actors I'm attracted to. You can ride my worm, Kyle. The sleeper is awakened. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's very few like since I, I am a heterosexual man, I say reaffirming my heterosexuality like a proper heterosexual man. <laughs> 
but like there's like I can I can say I'm comfortable enough with myself to say that there are men in Hollywood I find attractive and mm. one of the and like what add to that list is young Christopher Walken because that was that was my my meet my thoughts for 80% of Deer Hunter is what I never thought I would be attracted to Christopher Walken. So here I am, Kyle McLaughlin, Christopher Walken, and probably Harrison Ford. I don't know, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's handsome in this movie. He's he pulls off like the Humphrey Bogart kind of like yeah, just like the the, the fucking hard drinking, hard smoking. He's just... seen some shit. Yeah, he just he just wants to be left alone. He just wants to go home. I feel and like I feel like just look looking at Harrison Ford acting in this film as that character. I wonder if he has any idea that that's going to be him. During the time period Blade Runner is supposed to take place, <laughs> the year. Oh man, I want to go home. I have to show up in a flash and like a, in a two second flashback and and in Star Wars Eight. Oh. Was that a spoiler? Was that a spoiler? The movie's out on Blu-ray right now. Fuck you. Yeah, no, everybody knows. It's fine. All right, good. The movie's been out on Blu-ray for almost a month. So yeah, I, th- I think so. I think we're good on. Uh, I think we're good on Blade Runner until we revisit any other other material from from that world. Most likely the game, probably the game and the, first. Probably, but probably the closest thing to Blade Runner we're gonna do soonish is probably Snatcher, Ooh. which uh, we're gonna do. But uh, I think we should anna- announce not what we're doing. Well, we'll, let me just announce some shit you have to look forward to. Uh-huh. Uh, Get a Robo Go is probably is exa- is definitely the next episode we're recording. We're get- we plan on finishing Marathon very soon because mm-hmm. Tucci's in the ending stretch, and yeah. then I'll start editing Marathon footage. Uh, check our YouTube channel out for some uh, for some new updates. Which is Mechtrospective. That leads us into just other ways to find us, contact us. We have a Tumblr, mechtrospective.tumblr.com. We have a Gmail, mechtrospective at gmail.com. You can just reach out to us uh, either in either in SoundCloud comments. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. Uh, reach out to us. Talk to us. We wanna. We we love this media, and it's such a niche. And this podcast is like fun. Like, yeah, this I, is fun to do, and we want we want to reach out to people. We, we want to hear people's opinions. What's your favorite thing? What's your favorite robot, AI, mech, what yeah, have like you? We, and also, we take suggestions. Well, we, we, we're always we, taking we suggestions. Have, speaking of suggestions, one thing, one thing you have to look forward to in the near future is uh, is definitely Eve No G-Con, and the person who recommended that to us is actually going to be guesting. Cool. Yes. Not that you'll be guesting if you recommend us anything. We know well, this person. <laughs> well, I mean, if we know you... Maybe. Maybe. What if they're like? What if they they recommend us something, and they're like the coolest, funniest, hottest person in the universe? So what if Kyle McLaughlin recommends us something? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I'll get Kyle McLaughlin on the show. Okay, good, good. And Andrew WK. Oh, yeah, Andrew WK. I for real want to get him on the show though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually. I want I want context for Gundam Rock. We're we're members of the Party Party. Do you have any other songs that are less about partying? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and if, if you have any umbrage with anything, if we, if we've made any errors because we do, because, uh, you know, in, in, in this, in this genre. We are imperfect skin jobs. Uh, you, you can, you can shoot us, you can shoot us a correction email. Again, mextrospective at gmail.com. Uh, subject line, hey douchebag. Uh, so far we've been, we've been pretty par for the course. We've been pretty good. Uh, but yeah, let me, um, rattle off some shit you guys can look forward to. Get a Robo Go, Marathon Part 2, Arnold Core 4. Razafon, Gundam the Origin, the manga. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gundam Thunderbolt's coming to a close soon, so we're probably, once that ends, we're gonna talk about the manga up to, the manga's still publishing, so we're gonna talk to, like, the manga up to where it is, mm-hmm. and then talk about the OVA, or the ONA, I mean. Right. Also on our platter is, uh, in the near future, we want to talk about Iron-Blooded Orphans again. Yes! Because the first season's over, and the second season's coming out soonish. Yes. So I gotta catch up. Same. Uh, the next live-action thing we want to do is Terminator. Yeah. We definitely want to do Terminator and get into that mythos. Are we gonna have to watch the Sarah Connor Chron- Chronicles? <laughs> Mm, 
We'll see. I don't know. Because I feel like I want to do more bad stuff where we can just, like, be mad, because I feel that will get us more more listens. <laughs> uh, I feel like that era of review is more or less over. Just get in the mic, like, let me tell you what the thick fucking shit's poop! D- this movie's a bunch of cock-a-dookie-dia-pooperia. What, what, what was really Scott thinking? Harrison Ford? More like Harrison, Harrison. Snored. Because <laughs> Harrison bored. Really? I mean, that's real, though. He was he was probably bored. Imagine, Harrison, imagine if we were the one media outlet. Harrison Ford's like, I'll, t- I'll tell you everything you need to know. I'm going to play it wrong. I'm going to play it wrong. How many, how many listeners do you have? Yeah, that's fine. I'll spill the beans. It's fine. It's, uh, yeah, no, like one's, no one's going to care. No, no one's going to catch me on uh, this. The, the fir- at first, I thought this movie was about a man who literally ran with uh, kitchen utensils, but uh, <laughs> that turned out to be incorrect. And even then, uh, Ridley Scott led me on this path uh, for about six months. I, uh... So when we started filming the movie, I had no idea about anything. I, th- I was practicing running with scissors in my shower. <laughs> it was extremely dangerous because he said the movie was going to be very rainy. That one, that's the one thing he was honest with me about. And I said, all right, fine, I'll, I'll soak up, I'll get nice and moist. I came on set already slightly damp. (laughs) (laughs) I just really like doing that voice and I ran out of stuff to say. My snorts. <laughs> oh my god, my face is leaking. Now I know how arid it feels like every five seconds. <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys want to know what Mark Hamill's penis looks like? <laughs> That's it for my perspective. I'm Tooch. <laughs> He's Devin. And we question our own integrity if we're replicants or humans or we, replicants we, or we, we cry at robots. We cry at replicants. We cry at Harrison Ford. <laughs> Why am I still here? <laughs> what are we fighting for? No just cause. Rubbing our noses in bloody battlefield dirt. <laughs> All for revenge. Whoa. <laughs> what if Harrison Ford was Big Boss? <laughs> <laughs>